Jennings and this is a Kiwi original. Today on the show I'm joined by Joe Bradford from Fiasco, a company that specialized in event cases up until the pandemic. These are the cases that arrive at the back of festivals, concert halls, stadiums and contain all the things to put on a show. Except once the pandemic hit, There were no shows, not in the US, Australia, New Zealand, anywhere. He had to get his team around a table and decide, what do we do now? This podcast talks to the resilience Joe showed and the agility of his team to completely transform their business into something that had a domestic focus and solved the needs of Kiwis working from home. Amazing chat. Let's take a listen. You and Matt started this business when you were touring, touring New Zealand. Were you actually in the music business before you got into this business with Fiasco? We, yeah, so we have a background in that. Um, The actual start of Fiasco started between Matt and Goff, who was our business partner of ours at the start. Just dabbling in a few different things. Matt used to work for Goff. Goff kind of started the company and then they were doing some things. And then we got into road cases and Matt was coming back from overseas. He was working for uh, Cirque du Soleil in Macau, China. I was coming back from the US. I'd been studying over there. And so Goff and Matt kind of said, hey, do you want to get involved in this? And then we kind of started that and we were doing, we're building various other set pieces, uh, stages, doing shows. So that is our background. It kind of started by accident, but kind of on purpose as well. What was some of the first products that you uh, thought this needs to be created because what people are using out there is is not working or it's not the way you saw or Matt saw or Goff saw it could be done? Uh, the first products were some real simple but core road cases, which actually exist. So the 1200 case, the 600 case. And we really made those like Goff runs a production company or actually a couple of different production companies and had a need. And there's an interesting angle when we talk about buy NZ made. There'd been kind of in the 90s, a dozen different road cases companies in New Zealand and China had slowly eaten away at all of those and they'd closed down and there was just kind of two left and the prices of those were relatively high and then there was a bunch of Chinese rubbish and so we kind of tackled that a little bit differently by we started manufacturing in China and then progressively we have brought more and more manufacturing to New Zealand over the last seven or eight years and kind of had a blend where we make some things here we make some things there just like now we make some things in the US and some things in New Zealand. So being strictly New Zealand production meant a bunch of guys went bust. Being strictly Chinese production means it didn't really suit the industry. So the niche was really getting that model right of like what to produce overseas and what to produce here. And that's what we developed over the last eight years before COVID 
took us out uh, or took the industry out, you know. That's really interesting. So you've actually found a, a hybrid model of the best of what gets made elsewhere in China and what we can make here. What are the things, at least with your business, that it's best made locally? The complicated aspects or the customization. So road cases are fundamentally like shipping containers. They move products or sound and lighting equipment in trucks, which are pretty standardized, throughout New Zealand on a daily basis, just like ships move containers that are pretty standardized. So the the outer carcasses of those can be cheaply or more cheaply made in China than, and they're really just assembled in New Zealand. The winners are naturally the labor cost. All the parts to make those are made in China. So everything starts in China anyway, and they get assembled in New Zealand. That's the model that was kind of existing before us. And then the internal fit out of that is where our system kind of gave us a building block to build off and then we can customize. And that has been a real kind of win for us because we can make a carcass that's relatively cost efficient, but then customize it really sensibly and really fast. And so that kind of that double win saw, like add the value here, make the the carcass elsewhere, you know. And so let's talk a little bit about the the actual storage system, that customization approach. Yeah. Uh, on your website, it says storage system is ag- exquisitely precise as a Swiss watch. Yeah. What does that mean? New Zealand truck standards internally, they should be essentially 2.4 inside. So you can divide 2.4 by... One, you get 2.4. By two, you get 1,200. By four, you get uh, 400, uh, 600. The exquisiteness of it is, I don't know how much you know about events, but you go to a road, a show. That show will probably have at least one truckload. It might have, if you go to a big show at Vector, there might be 30 truckloads. How fast can you load those trucks and unload those trucks? We, our recipe for dealing with that is extremely efficient and we're very precise. We want the outside container, much like a shipping container. Like if you went to Mainframe and said, hey, I want a 22 foot shipping container or a 36 foot shipping container, they would go, no. But the road case industry was custom. You come as the customer and tell me I can build make me a 36 foot one now well that doesn't work inside what we're actually shipping it inside so it's a play on that to go right let's think about this really logically and in new zealand we'll put up our hand and say it's kind of 85 percent of what it should be but when we went to the us after five years in new zealand we'd learned a bunch of lessons and so that statement is really targeting our US audience. And I can confidently walk into large organizations in the US and say, how long does it take to pack a truck with how many guys? And they might say to me, oh, two and a half hours with six guys. And I can turn around and say to them, what if I could do that with four guys in under an hour? You get some attention. And I've got attention all over LA with that kind of thing. And those who have bought into it have really like they sing our praises, they don't go, oh, Joe was lying to us. They go, wow, this is amazing. 
let's change our entire inventory, which sometimes is several truckloads. That's a fascinating point. So this is more than just protecting what's in there. This is a productivity gain for large concerts, large festivals, events, anywhere where you have to shift a lot of inventory to set up and break down the event. Like I see them here at the TSB Arena here in Wellington and there's trucks out the back sometimes for days. Uh, I'm not sure like whether people are coming and going or, or what's going on, but you just see tons literally of these black boxes going in and a couple of weeks or a month later they come out so what's the productivity aspect is it just the standardization for the guys lifting and shifting or or there are other aspects the standardization is a massive part of that and so like in wellington for instance you've got njf who's up in tower and if you rung them and said hey you know, what do you think of Fiasco Road Cases? I'm sure Mike would sing our praises. You know, he's pretty, pretty big fan, which is great. There's that aspect, but then once it becomes in the internal side, we've really pushed to go for an insert and divider system. So you get an empty case, it's got some grooves in it. We can put dividers into that. And today it could be something for park hands, you know, a lighting fixture. And then tomorrow you might carry speaker stands in it or cables the next day. And you can do that with our divider system and change it around. But then you might pull all of that out. We'll give you a customized insert for a couple of $10,000 lights. You put that into the same case and you can transport it. So there's productivity loading trucks. There's productivity day to day and that your inventory has changed. The traditional way of doing it is, hey, you've got those $10,000 lights. Let's make you a custom case around those. Here's your case. Three years later or five years later, your lights are obsolete. You're getting new ones. Your case by our book is only half used or a third used. So why not swap it and change it? So the long-term gains are there too once you have that infrastructure. And so sometimes now we get guys, they call us up and say, hey, I need this insert. We're like, do you need a case? And they're like, no, I bought the case off you three, four years ago. Um, Some people would say, hey, that's dumb for us. You know, our competitors build them a new case every three or four years. But we're really about one, making you super efficient, sustainability. No one wants to throw out a perfectly good black box after three or four years. So we've really pushed to tick all of those boxes, but it's a change in your infrastructure and you can buy into it slowly. You can go really, well, we've got a couple of customers in the US who you know, found us pretty early and same in New Zealand. And they're like, right, we're all in. So 80, 90% of their road case stock will be fiasco cases. I've got one in LA and it's probably 95% of his road case stock. Let's talk about the the LA and the, the the US events sector because a lot of that is um, shut down or or delayed at the moment because of the pandemic. Is now actually a good time for some of those uh, event managers to relook at their stock so when they reopen, they've got new ways of shifting things around to go from six to four guys or or create some new efficiencies, so there's not so much cost in in doing the events. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The question is, still for them, are they going to survive as a business and come out the other side? You know, we've done 4-5% turnover this past year is what we did the year before. 
Um, we went into last year expecting to double or triple turnover. So that's kind of um, tells you how badly affected they are. Um, and a lot of guys that we know are still out of work. But as they come back, and there is the odd job, um, you know, like being advertised and say, hey, we've got this work coming to work for us. Um, that will be the question because a lot of guys in the industry, they'll have really good skills, but they'll have to go off and find another job because they can't just sit on their hands for two or three years. And then when that finishes, what happens? Um, and to give you an example, we've employed a guy that worked in the industry for 20 years here in New Zealand and, and in Europe, uh, and now works on our team. We're kind of hoping he'll stay around, but I can understand the events industry is going to want him back. He's a very good sound and audio engineer. So there's that blend there of what's going to happen. Um, and they, those questions will happen. In New Zealand, that's happening, but we were already well advanced in those conversations over the last eight years already. And you said there four to five percent. Did I pick that up right? Your your revenue, you were thinking it was going to double or triple, and it dropped by ninety-five to ninety-six percent. Correct. That's almost everything. That is everything. <laughs> like I had bigger weeks in the year before than I had in that whole. I probably had bigger days than I had did in the entire year. And like one of the jobs we did last year was 25% of what we made. Um, so, you know, and it wasn't that big a job. It was just that, uh, that was how small the year was. There was months last year we didn't sell anything. When did it, when did it start to drop off? Was it uh, everything at once, like as we went into lockdown or was it a slow drop? So we, um, closed out the largest deal we ever closed in New Zealand or the US um, on the 7th of March, 2020. And the payment was called to come on the 10th of March, 2020. The 8th or 9th, I'm not super clear on what day that actually happened, but South by Southwest in Texas got canceled and postponed. And the people we were selling to were large suppliers of theirs. They gave me a call, Clayton gave me a call and said, hey, we're still really keen on this deal, but South by Southwest got cancelled. We're just trying to figure out, can we put it on hold for two to four weeks? I said, sure, you know, we'd just spent four months negotiating this deal. By the 17th of March, Clayton was told, hey, go home. There isn't any work. We'll keep in touch. And they basically kept in touch, but he's gone to, he's one of those guys who's gone to find another job. He's extremely talented, but he can't be there. So in the, from the 10th to the 20th of March, we had several hundred thousand dollars, including that one cancel on us. And I think in March, we saw 85% cancellation of work we had in our books. And then that was it. So we had stuff going to the Olympics, which I've just been talking to the guys in LA to say, hey, why don't we go back to them, see if we go, be going to the Olympics as we hear about that. Is that still happening? Are they still got the contract? What's happening there, you know? So yeah, basically. And then there was some customers who had product who said, hey, we've got products, but can we pay you off over the course of the year? And they've been kind of drip feeding us money ever since. <laughs> Thank you.
New Zealand-made Kiwi trademark is relied upon by over 1,500 New Zealand businesses to gain a market origin advantage in the markets they operate, both domestically and internationally. Check to see if the good service or software that you make is eligible at buynz.org.nz. What was it like at that moment where you realized this isn't just one event, this is going to be lots of events that are cancelled and what it meant for the for the company? Like what did you tell your team? We run a pretty open house so that we gathered the team and had a pretty blunt and fair conversation with them. Um, we were slightly better off than most in that because we manufacture in China, we'd experienced the lockdown situation for the previous couple of months, um, seen the delay, seen what the kind of government was doing. That had been part of the, with Clayton, the delay in that sale was like, when's China going to come back online and actually be able to make these? So we had those things, but it was petrifying. It's one of those things where you're like, well, I've just built this business for seven or eight years. I'm going great guns. I'm heavily mortgaged with the bank to build this LA thing and take it overseas. And now the unimaginables happened. But we also, uh, the, the events industry is built on people who can rapidly change and react to situations. And we come from that. And so we said, right, what are we going to do? And we, on a whiteboard that's just over my shoulder here, started to um, jot down ideas. And we got kind of 20 or 30 ideas on that whiteboard. And then we selected a couple, one being the screens, which we did under ScreenServe, and then the desks, which have really proven to take the course of time. And we made it happen in kind of those 10 days between the 10th and the 20th. When are we going to lockdown? The 24th or something? So you've told your team, you're gathered around the whiteboard and you're thinking, right, we've still got this group of people that can make things. We've still got materials and components. We don't have an industry to sell to right now, but what other things can we do with the people, the talent, the skills and the materials to fulfill a new need potentially? Talk yeah. me through uh, the what happened next. Well, there's a couple of days of, chewing through ideas, everything from like gym boxes to coffins to desks and screens. Um, I've, I have got photos of the list somewhere. There was there was all sorts of ideas. It seemed too early for coffins, to be fair, and that was a conversation. It was like, well, let's see if people start dying before we get too worried about that. But the desks and screens, Matt, my business partner's sister is a local, runs a local pharmacy, and she kind of said to us, look, we're going to need these screens. We've had friends that work for the DHB and they were like, hey, we're going to need some screens. So we kind of said, oh, well, that one's a no-brainer because the work's there and orders are coming in. And then the desks was kind of more of a gut instinct call of, hey, people are going to have to work from home. You're going to go home. You're going to take your office chair. You know, we had big stand-up desks that, Sure, we could have packed them down with a bunch of tools and, you know, got the trailer and taken them home. But, you know, offices were getting cleared out in hours, not days and weeks. So we decided, hey, desks is probably a good option. And then we prototyped kind of eight iterations, six to eight iterations over three days to come up with what we still sell today. 
it's had some very minor tweaks along the way. But if I showed, I've got the first one that came off, I use it as my home office desk. And the one that I'm sitting in front of right now, if I put them side by side and said, you tell me the changes, I don't think you'd spot many of them. That speaks really to the quality of your design and your production. Now, the hard part, I guess, is that you've identified a need, you've done the manufacturing part, but unlike the events industry where you would have a handful of contacts to sell to, now you've got to sell these to end consumers, Kiwis, you've got to find them. So how did you then get that product, that work from home desk to the marketplace? We're pretty lucky. Cambridge is pretty innovative community and another you've interviewed Grant from Rocket Spark. Yes. Jeremy Grant's brother and is a good friend of mine. We were fishing on Monday and I know the other guys there. So pretty early I I sent Jeremy a text and said, Hey bro, I'm gonna need a couple of those e-commerce websites. Can you hook me up? Uh and he was like, Yep. And we were there, we we're talking to the, those guys. So we kind of had a natural way in now to say hey can you hook me up the reality is you can go on their website start it yourself 30-day free trial and get in the door but it was kind of somewhat helped by the fact that i could just ring him up and go point me in the right direction you know we already ran our websites through them so we knew the system but we didn't run e-commerce so between their blogs and the odd do this stop you don't have time to read just sort this out we got a, those e-commerce websites stood up within um, seven days. So basically, Ash and Matt started designing two different prototypes, which the desk is a blend of them. Uh, me and Hilly and Brett and Brad started working on the e-commerce side and standing that up. And I really ran point on a lot of that um, and got the others to do the work, but was pretty engaged the whole way through. And then once we had photos and prototypes. Brad and I went home to our lockdown and the first kind of three or four days was spent heavily just figuring everything out and making it work and um, testing things. And then we started some Facebook advertising. And then I started engaging people like Quinton at Unbound and Hamilton and saying, hey, talk to me about e-commerce and help me figure this out and you know just reaching out into the wider business community and saying I've got a product and this is what I've got to do and that had started you know you talk about hey you've got all this working but on the supply chain side like we had 20 25 sheets of plywood in our warehouse that isn't going to make that many desks so I had to get on charge of you know all of the guys in New Zealand and say how much stock you've got and they're like we all go to lockdown six weeks of holiday and I was like, you might be going into lockdown, but I want your plywood. <laughs> uh, and it took, a, it did take a couple of weeks, you know, the government, it was pretty firm lockdown, I'm sure we all remember. But as it opened up, and especially for the screens, it opened up pretty quick because pharmacies are basically, or other agencies, government agencies are sending you an email saying, go to your workshop and build this for me. You're making that happen. It's an like, inspirational story to make such a massive pivot and to you know, have the courage to go, we're going to make use of this time and we're going to solve a, a problem for Kiwis. I remember seeing the ads for your desks, particularly in Instagram, and I thought over and over, this is being targeted correctly. I'm working from home. I had a desk already. Now, 
what I wonder is when the events industry does come back, what are some of the the lessons that you can take from you know, standing up e-commerce websites, selling direct to consumer as a manufacturer? What are some of the things that has actually um, will change your business going forward that you'll adopt across the whole business? Yeah, well, we'll definitely take e-commerce. Like roadcase sales is a B2B play with sales reps, but there's a lot of work that can be done in the back end of that about, you know, getting that advert in front of you and saying, hey, this is targeting you and are you interested? Give me a call that we've learned along the way that we'll definitely bring to the table. So that's a very much a social media kind of play. Mm -hmm. But then the interesting thing about desks is we went after the corporate market relatively hard and had some wins there, but also like knocked our head against the wall a few times. Um, like our first sale was to, you know, to a corporate, which was great. But you kind of, it's somewhat easier for just kind of going, here's the product, do you want some of this? And people go, yeah, I do. And then they click on it and that starts the relationship. And so I think for us in the roadcast world, we might start relationships on e-commerce. Mm. You buy one of our cases, you kind of test the market, we get your details, you get ours, we feed you some more information. I don't imagine a time, possibly one day, but not anytime soon, where someone will go to our website, click on it, select 60 cases and buy in a whole container lot like we do B2B at the moment. The, the credit card fees on that would be astronomical, but we'll definitely take that play and there's a there's a wider market for cases than what we have traditionally targeted and very strategically we didn't go after them before but we will we've grown as a team and we'll we will now we've got the capacity and we will have the capacity in the future to be able to push into that market a bit harder so we are hoping to position ourselves even better for all of our customers it's a good way of getting into corporate is uh, selling via e-commerce just to one person within the corporate. I know that the, the software industry who used to do big enterprise-wide software deals found that the lead times were long, the cost of sale was long, um, and you didn't get all the deals. Whereas if they could sell to one product manager or one sales exec the software as a service, then it would spread internally and there was no cost of sale and eventually procurement would go, look, we've got this product in hundreds of desks around our, our corporate. We need an enterprise-wide deal. And so it flipped the whole thing around. And I, I wonder whether that, uh, um, that's an angle for Fiasco. Yeah, I think, I think that really could. And without letting the cat out of the bag, there's, there's definitely guys within New Zealand who one-on-one -on -one have said, hey, this is a great product and caught the vision. And in the US before the corporate has, and then has engaged with us and you know, started solving their own problems kind of off to the side, but obviously it's getting paid for. And then that kind of push that they've done has kind of convinced the rest of the corporation or the, the business to go, Oh, that's actually really smart. Yeah, let's get that. So for this year, it's going to be mostly work from home desks with some uh, touring equipment like the 600, 800 and 1200 cases. 
but hopefully in 2021 do, do events start coming back or do you think it's going to be further than that? Yeah, so in New Zealand, we're back to some degree. You know, we're not all the way back, but the events industry, there are some events happening out there. We do cases for other industries. You know, we make them for camera gimbals and for a variety of different products. So we're pushing back into that. And I think that'll continue to grow. But yeah, 2021, the second half of 2021 and 2022, like we're really positioning ourselves now to be very ready for that. And I think, you know, in New Zealand, the events industry is still really struggling because they've only got the festivals and small corporate events. Like the the driver is some large corporate events that happen or lots of large corporate events. And the big companies don't want to be the next COVID spreader, so they're not doing them. And that's really hurting the industry. So hopefully as all that picks up here in New Zealand and then in the US, it'll just grow back to something. But I expect it'll take two to five years. That's a similar time frame that I'm hearing from the, the tourism market around 2024 to get fully back. Uh, and I think it's great to be optimistic, but it's also good to be rational and have a plan in the meantime And I think you've done both of those things and you're thinking far enough ahead of having both options available. Um, Joe, is there anything I haven't asked you about or or any area that I I should have asked about that you'd like to to talk about before we round up? Um, Yeah, like I think like you, it's by NZ made. And for us, like we didn't pursue that um, when we were just doing the cases because we were kind of like, well, we're still making a lot overseas. But, you know, the desks we have made in New Zealand or made locally. So we've made in New Zealand for New Zealand market, we've made in the US for the US market. The interesting play this year for us is we're actively looking at and we'll start making more here to sell overseas and whether that's be into other international markets or to supplement the US market. And that is kind of testament to New Zealand manufacturing and where we're kind of growing as a company Uh, and as a country, like the conditions are relatively good to manufacture in New Zealand if you you get it right. We manufacture right now in New Zealand, in the US, and we're still doing some in China. And in the new world, it's making more and more sense to manufacture in New Zealand, which is kind of really encouraging for me. And I'm hopeful, I I think NZ Made's grown a lot, right, in the last Mm. year. Hugely. What are those conditions that um, that make it uh, right to manufacture here? Because you'll have a, a good comparison with the US of why you're manufacturing there as well. Um, what would you consider doing more of here versus in the US? So the Cordes product will make a lot more here this year and ship to the US. A lot of that comes down to one, the regulations and the way that we do like insurances because we've kept COVID out. Mm. When you have to sign something that says, hey, we won't pay for, like in America, they've just ramped up the anti-COVID. Basically, if we can blame it on COVID, you won't get it. And we're gonna charge you more, everything's costing more. So costs in America have escalated fairly rapidly. Wow. In New Zealand, there's a big danger with international shipping ports and the cost to import is getting really expensive. It'll be interesting to see what the cost of exporting goes like. So that is a risk factor there, but it is 
becoming more and more favorable, you know, as far as day-to-day -day manufacturing. The freedom that we can come to work and operate as normal is something that the rest of the world doesn't have. And I think the, the desire amongst people for better quality materials, something that's gonna last, you know, um, is something that we can really do here. Whereas, yeah, and even in the US, we're seeing that, like our desk is not cheap uh, in the US market. It's very competitive there, but we're selling good volumes of it because people say, hey, I want to invest in this and I think I'm going to be working at it for a few years. I don't want something that falls apart on me. So, yeah, the conditions are, we're, we're really blessed to have gone through a good lockdown and then be not in the middle of a COVID pandemic. It, it's pretty um, it's pretty amazing that we've managed to, I think, take the right steps, be informed by science. And I'm seeing the unemployment rate today has actually gone down almost to pre-COVID levels. So, and you're right, you know, being able to go to work and not have to worry about giving your family at home then COVID if you came back home, that's a productivity gain. You know, you can just get on with your life because if you're happier, you, you'll do more. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you well in the exporting side of it where, you know, some countries don't have that uh, just yet. And, uh, you know, I'd love to chat again with you, Joe, in a year. Uh, when the event side starts to come up, because it seems like you're a man with a, you've got your finger on the pulse as far as things happening within your marketplaces. And just like before COVID, you pivoted quickly. I am sure you'll be one of the first to see the opportunities when people get back to events and festivals, just like the old days. Yeah, we look, man, we look forward to that. Like, it'll be cool. It'll be cool to see our core customer coming back and saying, hey, we survived and we made it out. And a lot that's been awesome to see how they've pivoted and made things work, but I know that they're hurting. So we're looking forward to being there to support them. Just on your COVID um, point there, like we've lost hundreds of hours to COVID testing. We've only had one case of COVID in our LA workshop, but regular testing and regular hoops to jump through is a real detriment that we don't, no one needs here. We're so lucky. Well, good luck on your journey and uh, thank, thank you. you very much for your time today. Cool. Thanks, Ron. You're welcome. That's it for another episode of A Kiwi Original. Remember to subscribe on the podcast or on YouTube to receive the next episode. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you think could benefit. See you next time. One of the big things we had right from the start was we're gonna push that it's New Zealand made. New Zealand made? carries a lot of weight outside New Zealand. People don't realize that. Well, you're by New Zealand and uh, we were really motivated by your professionalism at the outset when we first contacted you and that gave us the confidence to reach out to the rest of the New Zealand community to support this. We'll get two, three, four, five inquiries every day from people and their only question is, are your products made in New Zealand? You know, they don't want to know anything else. We knew there was demand in the market for a New Zealand-made product, firstly, a natural New Zealand-made product.
We have got New Zealand made. That was the first thing I signed up to. I was really proud of that. And um, you were very welcoming. So thank you, Ron. I think it's very, very important to sell in New Zealand as a New Zealand made product. Originally, we were having to import components from overseas. It wasn't until we shifted to our carbon fiber model that we were able to say that the product was made in New Zealand. And that was a huge, it was sort of a big goal for me. I wanted to have complete control over the manufacturing of it. Definitely, it's something that we've been belonged to right from the beginning. And it just put trust, especially New Zealanders, into our product. We've noticed recently, people have become so much more discerning about, they will upfront and say to you, is it really made here? And not have to rely on other countries and important components, especially in times like these, I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no stock. Being able to front up to that, and show your logo and say, well, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that you have to have a license to show that logo. We have also New Zealand made on some of the other brands selling over overseas. And it's something that people are looking for. The little triangle has been a part of our brand for a long time. Is that an investment or is it a cost? You know, can, we, can we spend it given what's going on? Uh, no, it's actually good value for us. Yeah, we, we are a Kiwi company. We are proudly Kiwi. It instantly had a, a fruitful conversation without any dancing around or holding back or everything came out. And that was that was part of the, how, why it was so invaluable. And so the best way to do that is to, to join the Finance and Make campaign, right? So. I, as you will see on any of my social media stuff, like, yeah, I put the Buy New Zealand Made logo. I'm plastered on everything I can plastered on. But just being able to prove to people that it is New Zealand made and that we've got a story, it's great. You know, pretty proud to be able to do that.